And he's up there already. Welcome back, aren't we? Thank you so much. Happy to have you with us. It's an honor to be back here once more. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Before I get into the Word, I have a few friends here this morning. I have some wonderful ladies from Bible study. Um, just, you guys go ahead and stand. Bobette, Esther, Leanne, I see Marilyn and Bob back here somewhere. And we also have my friend Dave. Dave, go ahead and stand. And by the way, Dave, we give God thanks. Give him a hand, by the way. Good to see all you guys. And I must also say, I am, I'm hoping you guys are real thankful for the wonderful Jamaica weather that we've been experiencing. It's not 20 below, so we can rejoice, right? <laughs> Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you provide the different seasons. And we thank you, God, that you never change, even though the seasons change. Speak through me this morning. Allow me to proclaim your words, Father, in such a way that lives will be transformed for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a friend who was part of a youth group. And in this youth group, they did everything together. And he and this one young lady in the group became very good friends. They became like best of friends. They would support each other, pray for each other. And whatever the other one was going through, the other one was there to make sure their friend was okay. And then my friend said, yeah, he decided to pray for a wife. And she was excited to pray for him to find a wife. And he's praying God sent this wife for my wonderful friend. And then he said, one evening, he woke up. And he said, what in the world am I doing? And he said, I have been praying for a wife. And she is here all along. And I just did not see her. So the next day, he called his friend. And he said to her, can I take you on a date? She said, a real date? He said, yep. She said, okay. They went on that date, and they've been married now close to 40 years. Five kids. And he said, what happened? My eyes were open. This morning, I have a question for you. When you look at your life, when you look at your friends, when you look at this community, when you look at the nation, what do you see? That is the question God wants all of us to wrestle with this morning. What do you see? Open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11 to 12 says, The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. It's important to note, when God asks you a question, the question is not for God's benefit. God knows everything. When God asks you a question, God wants to know if you are seeing accurately, if you are seeing correctly. And Jeremiah answered correctly. And now God asks Jeremiah a second question. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 13. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot 
that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting towards us from the north. Pay close attention to the north. Now God responds to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1 verse 14. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. God was saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I am about to do something very interesting. I do not want you to be surprised. Because I want you to be able to look and carefully ascertain what you're looking at. No surprises here, Jeremiah. I want you to prophesy to a nation in rebellion. And when you do this kind of prophecy, make sure you are hearing clearly from God and make sure you're seeing accurately. You might ask me the question, well, Huntley, what are you saying? What are you seeing? When you look at America today, what are you seeing? That is a question God is asking all of us this morning. What are you seeing? Friends, I'm going to tell you what I see. I see trouble. I see this wonderful nation on a collision course with Almighty God. And unless we change course, the future is not going to be bright. Now, if you pass the house, and the house is on fire, and the people inside the house did not know the house is on fire, you're not going to wave and sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and just say, hi, how you guys are doing? No, you're not going to do that at all. You are going to scream, get out. You're going to bang on the door. You're going to call the fire department. The people know on the inside, they are going to be wondering, why are you acting the way you are acting? The difference is, they do not see what you see. And God is asking you this morning, what do you see? Friends, we're in trouble. And God is asking his believers, his people, to sound the alarm. I know this is not a very popular sermon to preach, but we must. And God is saying to all of us, what do you see? Now, there's a comedian on television. I do not follow his um, career much, but he did a video a couple years ago that really got my attention. This guy, his name is Penn Gillette. And Penn, Penn Gillette is an atheist. He does a comedian show. But anyway, he had a show one night, and after his show was over, he had an experience that caused him to go on YouTube to talk about this experience. And here is what Penn Gillette said. He said, everyone knows I am an atheist. You know I do not believe in your God. You know, everybody understands that. But he said, after my show, a gentleman walked up to me and gave me a Gideon Bible. He said, I was so moved by this guy's gesture, I did not know what to say. And he goes on to say this. I am not the kind of atheist who will tell you not to proselytize. He said, that's not me. And then he uttered these words which have never left me. He said, if you truly believe in heaven and hell, and I could be going to hell for all eternity, 
how much would you have to hate me not to tell me? Wow. We can pause here and think about that. Listen to what he's saying. If you truly believe that your friends and loved ones are going to hell for all eternity, how much would you have to hate them not to say anything? And he said this, if I believe a truck was going to hit you and you did not believe, sooner or later I would tackle you. And this is much more important than this he was saying. Friends, look around you. What do you see? Friends, we are in serious, serious trouble. We must drop everything we are doing and start praying, begging God to intervene. You may say, well, Huntley, what am I seeing? I'll tell you exactly what I'm seeing. I am seeing the last stand. I am seeing evil take over this country. I am seeing sin going mainstream. I am seeing the cancel culture. I am seeing fake believers gaining traction and their version of the gospel is spreading. Now listen to what the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Friends, I'm seeing that happening right now. We have preachers preaching that there's no hell. There's no devil. We're all going to heaven. Friends, that is heresy. And it's time true pastors, true believers stand up because we are in trouble. Friends, I do not know how to sound the alarm anymore. I am seeing a repeat of history. In Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 6, look what happens in Ezekiel 8 verse 6. God speaking, and he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they're doing? The utterly detestable things the Israelites are doing, things that will drive me far from my sanctuary. But you see, things that are even more detestable. God asked Ezekiel a sobering question. Do you see what they are doing? Friends, if God should ask the same question about all of us today, what would our answer be? We are all imperfect people. That's why we give God thanks for grace. But if God should say to all our friends and loved ones, do you see what they're doing, would we be embarrassed? Friends, it's time we live on the inside knowing that God is seeing everything that we're doing and God goes on to say this listen to Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 24 who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them none of us can hide from God and the verse in Ezekiel God said they are doing detestable things that will drive me far from 
my century. You know, friends, I must say this. We need God. We need God in our lives and in this nation. If God should leave, we are in serious trouble. It's one thing to hate something. It's another thing to call something detestable. And that is exactly what God was saying. Now, friends, detestable is a very strong word. I want to read a couple of the words that describe detestable. Obnoxious. Abhorrent, disgusting, nauseous, repugnant, contemptible, vile, reprehensible, and repulsive. Those words convey a level of dislike that goes more than just regular hatred. Listen to Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and that's the abortion industry. Killing 63 million kids in the womb. God, help us, friends. A heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Friends, that is what I am seeing today. And God is asking all of us, what are you prepared to do based upon what you're seeing? Now, you know, you can't respond to something if you do not see it. You know, most people here know that I have a black belt in the martial arts. You know, I've studied martial arts for many years. And you know, I brought a little clip. Uh, if you have the clip ready off, um, go ahead and run it. That's a good kick, isn't it? That's a pretty cool kick. <laughs> Stop it there. That's okay. <laughs> you can't go home and watch after a second. Now, that's a little taste of the martial arts. Now, when I was testing years ago for my black belt, I had to fight five guys one time. Five guys against just me. It's a very tough assignment. To fight against one, two, or three is not bad. You know, I can take out a few people for sure. But five, five guys is pretty tough. Now, there is a secret to fighting multiple people. If I'm fighting three people, and you have one guy here, another guy here, another guy here, I'm going to be here. Why? You want to put them in a line. You want to make sure you have eyesight on everyone all the time. So if this guy moves over here, I'm going to move over there. So anywhere the entire group moves, you make sure you can see that line all the time. One lesson you learn in the martial arts is this. Do not go in the middle when you're fighting multiple people. There's a reason for this. You do not have eyes in the back of your head. If you get in the middle, you're going to have problems. So this particular night, I was doing my bell test. And I was fighting three against one. And friends, I'm going to be honest. I was doing pretty good. 
you, you, you'd have been proud of me. You, you, you'd have said, you go hunting, you go. I was doing pretty good, some jumps, spinning kicks a whole nine yards. I look like Bruce Lee, you know. All of a sudden, I made one mistake. I got in the middle. Now, the next thing I remember was the instructor grabbing me and saying, are you okay? And just before that, I remember, like, you ever seen Bugs Bunny? We said stars, you know? I remember seeing stars. I had no clue what happened. Then afterwards, I discovered when they told me the story. One of the gentlemen I was sparring against is from Taiwan. And when I got in the middle, broke the rules, he came at me with something called a spinning back fist. And with a spinning back fist, it comes out of nowhere. It comes like this, and it caught me here. Almost knocked me out. Why was I almost knocked out? Because I did not see the back fist coming. You cannot react to something you do not see. And God is asking all of us this morning, what do you see? Because if you see what God sees, we would be reacting differently. You know, the same thing happened to Balaam in the scripture. Well, I can't pay just a little bit. Balaam was on a reckless mission. And God sent an angel to confront him. Now, let's pick up the story. In Numbers chapter 22, verses 21 to 33. And we'll unpack this just a little bit more that we can close. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. Is God angry with America? Friends, he is. Very angry right now. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down on the Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me 
and turn away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly have killed you by now. But I would have spared it. Very interesting story. For this morning's sermon, we will not talk about a donkey and be able having a conversation. You know, talking to a donkey is not the way to go. But that's what happened to Balaam. But the donkey reacted to something he saw. Balaam did not see the angel. And the question for you this morning is, what do you do when you see strange behavior? You know, many years ago, they had a tsunami that hit um, parts of Asia. And I've heard that there are stories of the animals started running for the hills before the tsunami hit. And the people were wondering, why are the animals acting strange? Very shortly, the tsunami hit and they discovered why. You might be home, your cat or your dog might start acting strange. And you're wondering, what is going on? Because the animal might see something that you do not see. In the case of Balaam, his donkey saw the angel. But Balaam did not see the donkey. So my question to you this morning is, what do you do when you encounter strange behavior? Your husband or your wife or your friends start acting strange. And you're wondering what is going on. You know, I do quite a bit of counseling. And whenever I do a counseling session with any couples about to get married or family counseling, the first thing I do, I establish a goal. I want to problem solve and then make recommendations to solve the problem. When you see someone acting strange, what do you do? Here are a few recommendations this morning. Do not overreact. Do not overreact. Go on a fact-finding mission. Go and figure out what is going on, why the person is acting the way they are acting. Listen to Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 2 says, So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. Now talk about fear this morning. The king was very observant. The king saw his friend and said, Hmm, something is not right. What is going on? When was the last time you said to your friends, What is going on? Talk to me. Something is just not right. You're acting different. And you may say, Well, what are the signs I should look for? I'm going to give you a few signs, friends, that you can look for this morning. One, lack of joy. If you know your friend to be a joyful person, and all of a sudden, they stop being joyful, that is a sign. Do not overlook it. Making excuses. If you know this to be a person of prayer, and every time the subject of prayer now comes up, they do not want to pray, pay close attention. If you notice the person is changing the subject all the time, if you know they're passionate about you know, sports or politics or whatever the case may be, and all of a sudden, every time these subjects come up now, they start changing the subject, pay close attention. And finally, you might get a check in your spirit. Scripture says God is going to lead us by our spirits. You might not be able to explain it. 
you might not be able to say, here's one, two, three, what's going on. But internally, you're saying, I just know something is not right. Do not overlook that. When that happens, go into a time of prayer and say, God, can you reveal to me what is going on? Because God, I am seeing something that I cannot explain. And God will confirm to you exactly what is going on. So friends, today, God has a question for all of us. What do you see? When you look at your life, what do you see? When you look at your friends, what do you see? When you look at your family members, what do you see? When you look at this nation, what do you see? And based on what you see, what are you willing and prepared to do about what you see? Friends, in closing, I know this is not a popular sermon. But I must let everyone know, I have to give account to God one day if I saw trouble and said nothing. And I want each person to know this morning, as a nation, we are in trouble. We are on a collision course with Almighty God. And in order to save this nation, we must change, we must repent, and shift courses. Shall we pray? Father, you're good. You're great. You're wonderful. You're mighty. You never change. Father God, you ask us to love people enough to tell them the truth. God, there's a lot of talk these days about love. But God, that's not love. is hate. Because if we truly love someone, we are going to tell them the truth no matter how much it hurts. So Father God, help us not to have any fear anymore. Help us to be bold, to trust you, to depend upon you, to simply declare your words, God, to a nation that's in trouble. And I thank you, God, this morning for giving us the boldness to stand for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we do serve a wonderful God. And in Scripture, there are not too many things that Jesus asks us to do. But one thing he asks us to do is to take the communion. Why do we take communion? We take communion to remember. Jesus said, as often as you do this, you will remember me. And friends, the price that Jesus paid for salvation was not simple, was not easy. The scars he suffered as a result of our sins is not something we should take lightly. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have the elements, you can go ahead and grab the bread. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your body that was broken that we might have life. Help us, God, not to take your body, Father God, in an unworthy manner. 
but help us to recognize the price that you paid for us. Go ahead and eat. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and drink. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you shed your blood <coughs> so we can have eternal life. We thank you, God, that you promised us you're never going to leave us or forsake us. So as we remember, Father God, what you did for us, I pray, Lord, that we will not take it lightly or for granted. I pray, God, that this will be a brand new week as we leave here knowing that God we're forgiven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And Father, I pray that you'll help us never to take your sacrifice lightly or for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>